Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Daily Sports Talk Show. No one has now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! I wore pants to the wedding, and I got away with it. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Nuana's Now ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in here on your Tuesday. Hope you're having a fantastic start to the week. Feels like forever since we've been actually in the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Good to be back here. Good to be back uh, sitting right in the saddle. We've been taking this show on the road a bunch, and uh, can't thank enough our engineering and production team for helping make that reality. Thank you to uh, Tommy Evans for sitting behind the glass yesterday as myself and producer Andrew, Andrew Houghton, were uh, over in Spokane for Big Sky Conference Media Days. Football, officially upon us. How fun is that? And uh, we were out last Friday because I was up at a beautiful wedding uh, up at Flathead Lake. And uh, don't worry, Carolyn, the chicken knows no sports, and myself, we, uh, we had a long discussion brainstorming what maybe – this guy should wear. I wore the pants. I wore the jacket. I didn't die. It worked out just fine. You know, I even brought a little change of shirt. It was perfect. That's what we're all uh, here for is, uh, you know, nailing the fit when you go to the the, uh, the fancy gathering. I mean, that's what you get the fancy clothes for, right, is to get dressed up with all your friends and uh, dance the night away. So very fun. More on the wedding and uh, the rest of the weekend's activities here in just a little bit. Ton to get to today. We're going to continue our Big Sky Conference football conversation coming out of the Big Sky kickoff uh, yesterday. The Grizzlies, the Bobcats, both favored to do very well this year, to be very good as expected, as we voted, uh, as we projected. But what are the actual best-case scenarios for both Montana and Montana State's football teams? And what are their worst-case scenarios? What are the scenarios we could see playing out? This is just for fun not predictions that we think are going to happen, just some what-ifs. What if this happened? How far could each team go? What if these bad things happened? How much could it derail a team? What are some of the snags that might pop up along the way? We'll do that right off the top here. We also are back to our uh, normal Tuesday schedule. We will have our uh, Treasure State Stars uh, here about 430 we're also going to have Justin Angle in studio. Uh, Andrew, that's a note for you. I, I completely forgot to put that on the outline, but I rem- remembering as we are going through the show outlook, Justin will be here live in studio. Usually we record down at his shop. He is a University of Montana professor, a expert when it comes to business and marketing, and a particularly fun guy to have on the show because we talk about the overlay 
between business and sports every other Tuesday. It's presented by Blackfoot Communications. So top of the 5 o'clock hour, uh, Justin Engel will join us. And we're also going to talk about where the Big Sky Conference fits in to the larger football world. Uh, the wedding that I was at over the weekend up at Flathead Lake, that was a huge discussion point between a lot of the the uh, male attendees. Actually, a lot of the people there, some of the, the gals were talking with us as well. But a lot of arguments over Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. What does the realignment all mean? We've talked extensively about it all summer long. It's actually been great because it's given us so much content. And I do think that there's so much more than just, ooh, Texas could be or could not be good in the SEC. There's the financials of it all. There's the branding of it all. The regional alignment. The geographic alignment. The traditional conferences as they were and as they will be. But what does this all mean for the Big Sky Conference? We talked to Tom Wistershill, the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference, yesterday. So we have a couple sound bites from him. And I have some of my own thoughts as well. I think this is going, going to be something that uh, trickles in to the rest of the week. I mean, let's be honest. This stuff is completely uh, crazy, and it's, I'm not going to say completely unexpected. I actually completely expected what is happening right now. It's just one of those things where you can project, predict and project the the doomsday that's coming, right? Or, or in this case, just the stratification, the fracturing, the realignment. We knew it was coming. We didn't know when. Now it's happening. What does it mean for everybody? I guarantee you we are going to be talking about it for uh, the foreseeable future. So there you go. That's your show outlook. It's presented by Brent Wahlberg and the Wahlberg team. Wahlberg team, the official realtors of Grizz Athletics. Any and all questions you might have in the real estate world in western Montana, give Brent and his team a call today. Nuana's now live on ESPN Radio. You want to stream the show, you want to listen to the show, Somewhere besides your traditional radio and or television, you can always hit up the station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live. You'll find the stream. You can also always hit us up on the new ESPN Montana app. Great way to keep up with this show live and archived. Don't look now, but we're less than two months away from the beginning of Grizz Hockey season. We will have the exclusive broadcasting uh, partnership with Grizz Hockey this upcoming year. Season tickets are on sale. So get the ESPN Montana app to listen to this show live and or archived and to watch and listen to Grizz Hockey all season long. We'll also have some Grizz Lacrosse and some other fun stuff coming up uh, for you on the ESPN Montana app. You want to be a part of the show, you always can by calling and or texting 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests will join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. 888-1029. It's a Tuesday. We always do Treasure State Stars. We mostly always do a business angle. We also always give you Taglieri. Taglieri Tuesdays, presented by Taglieri Deli, there on the uh, the corner of Higgins and Beckwith. We will uh, tell you about Tag this week, but no giveaway this week. We'll be back at the giveaway next week. We had a little uh, issue with the uh, the gift card machine. It actually like broke last time I was there, so, you know. Here nor there. We'll be back in the saddle. Don't you worry. Taglieri is one of our great supporters here at ESPN Radio. So we'll be back to giving you the, the best of the best uh, in the wide world of sandwiches here shortly. But uh, still do appreciate Taglieri, and you can always tune in almost every Tuesday. Let's say 50 of the 52 Tuesdays of the year we'll be giving you Taglieri, so we'll be back at it uh, next week. What a fun weekend it was. I had a wedding up at Flathead, like we mentioned, out there on Finley Point. Great venue, great uh, gathering of people, great reunion. And uh, congratulations to Zach and Allie, our friends that got married. Uh, So kind of them to host such a fun party. You could definitely feel the love uh, amongst the friend groups. But also, yeah, because I didn't really know a lot of the people coming into this thing. But it was fun being around them. You could definitely tell just how proud the parents were of uh, the bride and the groom. And uh, more than anything, though, there was a hot debate on this show last week. If I could get away with wearing pants to a mid-July wedding. And I said, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to sweat and be hot anyways. Might as well be looking dapper. First of all, I wasn't even close to the guys that were uh, in the most dire situation. All the groomsmen had black on black on black tuxes. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. 
They were sweating like they stole something, but, man, they looked good. Uh, but I got away with wearing the pants and the suit jacket, went into the short sleeve button-up for the reception, and uh, all is well that ends well. It was a fun night, and, uh, again, thanks to Zach and Allie for uh, the wonderful beginning of the weekend. Also hit up camp, uh, the second night of the camp concert out there at the Kettle House Amphitheater, and what a rocking time that was as well. Missoula loves that type of show, you know, the, the kind of rockabilly jam band type show. And camp had it all the way tuned up, and it was really, really fun to dance in the pit and watch the sunset. And uh, I wasn't going to say get home early, but <laughs> a little parking lot issue. But that's here nor there. It was definitely one of the better shows I've been to this summer. We'll also go through some of the, the concert grades that I got for the summer. I've been to nine shows now, so we'll give you the best of the best and uh, analyze all those so far going to another one on Wednesday. So much uh, looking forward to that. Uh, as well. Before we get into this uh, conversation about Bobcat and Grizz football, a couple PSAs for you. First of all, our Senior Spotlight Series will continue uh, this week and into the rest of the summer. We'll probably do about five weeks more of these. This is highlighting the high school graduates for the class of 2022, uh, the the most recent uh, senior class. Some of the best boy and girl, female, male high school athletes from across the state of Montana so we'll keep on rolling those out uh, over the coming weeks. I know it gets a little weird because a lot of these kids are going to play sports in college, and they're no longer really a recent high school graduate because they're, like, into college, and a lot of them are playing fall sports, and so they're participating in their sport. They're already, like, Kenzie May is going to join us, for example, before she heads back east. The Gatorade Runner of the Year from Missoula Hellgate in both cross-country and track and field. She's going to join us the first week of August, and then she'll be on her way to Syracuse to start her freshman year uh, just days after she swings by the studio. So uh, we will continue to highlight, though, uh, the best of the best here in uh, upcoming weeks. Also, I know that this month, this month of July, it's a, it's a busy month and a get-out-of-town month for, I mean, everybody lives in Montana. It's, it's hard to find the business owners that are the, the sponsors and, and uh, great supporters of this show. And that's a good thing. I want everybody to be enjoying the summer. We've done our best to enjoy the summer, too. A lot of times I take a full two weeks straight off in July. As you've noticed, didn't do that this year. We've had a lot to talk about with all this college football realignment. We've been trying to get out of here on a Friday or a Monday or go to the Big Sky kickoff, whatever it might be. But we are now back in it, full force. I don't have any foreseen missed shows here Um Probably until around the holidays. I should never say never. We might have one or two things come up. But uh, we'll be rolling Monday through Friday, 4 to 6, right here on ESPN Radio. So uh, keep it tuned here. If you do change the channel, head on up to the trail, 103.3, our sister station. Tommy Evans has the new show rolling tonight. That's uh, from 6 to 7 every Tuesday. Great place to hear new music. I mean, they debut music on the trail. It's, it's sort of a throwback way of doing things, but I think it's so cool uh, that they keep on doing it. So uh, if you do ever change the channel off your favorite here on ESPN Radio, just go one notch up on the dial, up to 103.3. Uh, the trail, Montana's quality rock. I got a bone to pick because uh, from the podcast that we listened to last night, but we've already burned through a little bit of time here in uh, the first segment. So we're, maybe we'll circle back around to it. But on our way back from Spokane, Andrew and I were geeking out on all things NBA. Bill Simmons and Ryan Rosillo had their annual trade value podcast where they rank, is it 50 or 60? They, they rank like 50 or 60 of, the, of NBA guys into different categories Who's the the least tradable guys in the NBA from 60 on down? There's 300-plus guys in the NBA, but who are basically the best assets in the NBA? And they rank them from, from 50 on down to the, to the top ranking. But they had LeBron James somewhere in the mid to high 30s, and they said that LeBron James was more tradable than a bunch of dudes that haven't even played in the NBA or have played one season in the NBA. And I know LeBron James is coming up on year 19. I know he's in his late 30s. I know he's not the best player in the in the world anymore. He's still one of the five best players in the league. He is still an unbelievable asset, and he would absolutely move the needle and make almost every team in the league first, better, second, a championship contender. So we'll get back to that debate. But I, I just couldn't believe it. Like, Giannis for LeBron? No, you're never going to do that. 
Zach Levine for LeBron James? Come on. You, you couldn't you say yes fast enough if you were the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> so we'll, we'll return to some NBA talk uh, later on in the show. But now I want to talk about this. The Grizzlies of Montana picked to win the Big Sky Conference by both the affiliated media and the league's coaches, league's head coaches. In fact, the Bobcats actually got more, at least, top-end respect than the Grizzlies in the coaches' poll. The Cats got five first-place votes from league coaches. The Grizz got three, but the Grizz had two more points in the poll than the Bobcats, and the Bobcats actually finished third because they had two less than the Grizz and one less than Sac State. So the Grizz got three first-place votes, Sac State got four, and the Bobcats got five, but it was Grizz one, Sac State two, Bobcats three. In the media poll, the Grizz got 14 first-place votes. They were first, 356 points. The Cats got 13 first-place votes. They were second, 352 points. So that's all to say that it's basically a consensus that the Cats and the Grizz are going to be among, if not the primary, contenders for the Big Sky title. That would be a huge moment for both programs because while they've both been nationally competitive for most of the last 20 years, Montana State has not won a Big Sky Conference Championship since 2012, and Montana has not officially won a Big Sky Conference Championship since 2009. So we're working on a decade for the Cats and more than a decade for the Grizz. Even if you take that 2011 championship that the Grizzlies won and then had vacated because of various NCAA violations, it's still been more than 10 years since the Grizz won a Big Sky title. That's crazy. If you would have told me that when I first started covering the Grizz for the Montana Cayman and then the Missoulian, I would have told you you're crazy. I would have said, you know, it's death taxes in Montana Grizzlies that talk to the Big Sky Cars. They won the league 12 years in a row, and now they haven't won it in at least 11 and maybe 13, depending on which way you want to count it. I mean, I think the vacating of championships and wins are silly when the games happened. I, I, I understand certain egregious recruiting offenses and things like that. Like maybe this guy wouldn't have been on this team if it wasn't for this offense. So I can kind of see some of that stuff. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So here we are, though, with what we love the most. Everybody always asks us around here at ESPN and at Skyline Sports, who do you guys root for? Are you Cats? Are you Grizz? We're journalists and we're big football enthusiasts, but we have no rooting interest in any of the sports that we cover. We root for good stories. We obviously get close to the players and the coaches and the administrators and the media relations people at these two programs. We wish them the best. We want the best for them. I mean, trust me, covering winning teams is a heck of a lot better than covering losing teams, especially coaches. I've never covered Bobby Houck when he had a losing season because he's never had one at Montana. I think that that would be journalism hell. <laughs> I think that would be completely and utterly awful. That's all to say, though, what we want the most is for these two teams to be as good as they can be, to be the two best teams in the big sky, and that's the projection here. So that leads us then to the conversation about best-case scenario and worst-case scenario. I actually want to start with the worst-case scenario for these teams. And again, this comes with a caveat. There are, uh, you know, if, if all of the, the preseason all-Big Sky players for the Grizzlies get hurt, then that's going to be a, a deterring situation to be sure. But barring some sort of absolute catastrophe, because of the schedule, the returning talent, and the head coach, I have a really hard time thinking of any scenario in which the Grizzlies miss the playoffs. Now, missing the making the playoffs with Montana's schedule, I think seven wins maybe gets you there. Eight wins for sure gets you there. But eight wins given the expectation of this team, would be a disappointment. I think that there's nine wins is sort of the barometer for success. Ten would be great. Eleven would be the fulfillment of what a lot of people around Grizz Nation think is the potential of this team. Now, the Bobcats a little bit, one notch below. If the Cats had a really hard time replacing the leadership that they lost from last year combined with the talent that they lost from last year when they advanced to the national championship game, and they, they stumbled and went six and five. You, you could you could convince me of that. So maybe a little bit lower of a floor for the Cats than the Grizz. That said, I do think that it would take a, a pretty big calamity for either of these teams to 
miss the playoffs. But now we're in this Big Sky Conference here where finishing fifth in the league is going to get you into the playoffs, likely. Finishing fourth is certainly going to get you in. And so there's a variety of, of possibilities here. I do think that either of these teams with seven wins gets in. Eight wins certainly gets them in. And, uh, you know, I think the Grizz have a non-conference that they should be able to take care of business and get three of those wins. So then you're talking about all Montana's got to do is go 5-3 in the league to get to 8-3. I think that's pretty realistic. So, uh, But we're going to get into some of the uh, the whys or the potential snags. But first, I mean, Andrew, what do you think? Do you, do you agree with me that uh, that there's a, a, a very uh, high floor for both of these teams? Yeah, I think so, especially... Uh, for the Montana Grizzlies, I mean, I think it would be a, sh- a little bit of a surprise if the Grizz didn't start 6-0 and going into the back half of their schedule because not only do they have the non-conference games that they should be able to take care of, they open with two of three in the conference at home, and that road game is at Idaho State. That's their first three three games in the Big Sky Conferences versus Portland State at Idaho State versus Idaho. And I could see Portland State and Idaho being feisty teams this year. Both those games are at Washington Grizzly Stadium, though. So they should be 6-0 and going into that tough double-barreled road trip at Sacramento State, at Weber State. And that's where you start to see things, you know, maybe start to trip up for the Grizz. As far as as far as Montana State goes, I think there are a couple more pathways to having a down season here. But again, the schedule shapes up pretty nicely for them. That that Big Sky opener at Eastern Washington will be a big one. But even if they drop one of those first two games, I mean, you've got Idaho State at home, Northern Colorado on the road is your third and fourth Big Sky games. You should be able to get off to a good start in conference play. Nuanas now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television as well as the ESPN Montana app, talking all things Big Sky football. What's the best and worst case scenarios coming into the 2022 season and throughout the 2022 season for both Montana and Montana State? All right, so I got a couple hypotheticals for you. I got a couple of broad questions for you. One, while uh, Montana on paper will likely be probably a three-score favorite for homecoming September 24th to open Big Sky play, the Grizz will likely be 3-0 and with a home game against Portland State to k- kick off conference play. Seems like a slam dunk. It seemed like a slam dunk the last time Portland State came here for homecoming as well. That was in 2018. Now, that, that Grizz team had a really hard time finishing games. I think they certainly had a mental block of how to finish games. I thought that team was... Um, three wins better than the 6-5 and five that they finished. And that was made evidence in... You know, blowing it against Portland State, blowing it against UC Davis, blowing it against the Bobcats all at home. But who's better at me against the world? Nobody believes in us. We believe in ourselves than Bruce Barnum. I know they haven't had a ton of wins at Portland State the last couple of years, but they have had big wins when the wins come. That Portland State team that won here in 2018 was not very good. I know we're a long ways away from then, but... What if Portland State came in here and won? What would that do to the arc of this Grizz season? It'd put a damper on it, for sure. But again, I think they have they have a really good opportunity to pick themselves up at the, if that happens because That's you've exactly got Idaho right. State and Idaho. See, I actually think that I, it wouldn't really derail them that much because even if they did that, Bobby Hawk would say, all right, well, back to the drawing board. We stubbed our toe. Now for our goal of getting one of the top two seeds, we got a roll, and then they'd have two more games to kind of get them going before they get that revenge game down at Sac State on October 22nd. Yeah, the issue if they're trying to get the momentum back quickly there is that uh, assuming you go in and smoke Idaho State down in Pocatello the next week, then you have the bye before the Idaho game. And I mean, uh, maybe that affects some things because you don't get the bang-bang two quick wins, including the rivalry win to get you back on track. So maybe that's something. Um, Yeah, I mean, Portland State... They play well in Missoula generally. I, I think they, they match up with the Griswolds, or they match up with Montana's potential weaknesses pretty decently well, too, because they have an all-conference pass rusher, all-conference guy in the secondary. Um, you, you know, they've got some players who, who match up well with Montana. What about uh, for the Bobcats? And I'll start with my broad question about the Cats with a question about one of the representatives for Montana State at the Big Sky kickoff, Tommy Mallott. 
Tommy Mallott had the I'm gonna say rare because I don't think I don't know for a fact that it's a, a first of its kind, but I would be willing to bet that it's his first of its kind. A quarterback who has never started a league game being named preseason all conference. There's only one quarterback on the le- on the list. Tommy Mallott was the choice by the 36 media members that voted. Now there, I think there's a caveat. There's a couple uh, caveats there. I do think that perhaps. It was a Montana heavy voting media core with some love for, for uh, the Montana State kid. I also think, though, that there's a lot of respect within the league for Tommy Mallott, even though he maybe didn't start the full season. He showed flashes in conference games and then took the FCS by storm in the playoffs. But my question for you, Andrew, is what do you think of – the pedestal that they're putting Tommy Mallott on. Because a lot of coaches, especially this day and age, would would want to gravitate toward taking the pressure off the kid, not making him the face of the program in the spotlight. They seem to be pushing it and also loving pushing it, and he seems to be completely undeterred by it. Well, they wouldn't be doing it if they weren't fully convinced that he could handle it. And from everything that I've seen of him, you couldn't draw up a better kid to be able to handle it. I mean, he just, uh, you know, we, we've described him a lot, but he's just so straightforward uh, and so, uh, man, he almost just seems naive about all the other stuff that, that comes with playing football that's not about playing football, like being the face of the program and, sure. and, you know, dealing with the media and stuff. It's so funny, too, because that's how Troy Anderson was. And then Troy Anderson, it, the light came on for him. He's like, I'm the face of the program. Well, that's silly. I just play football. Stop bothering me. And then he was like, then it, it also was not a distraction, though, because he just, like, removed himself from being a part of, like, the media frenzy, you know, unless he had, like, 17 tackles and went to the national championship like he did against South Dakota State. Then he was happy to to sit up there uh, in front of the media. But it, you're right. It, it's it's. I think that Tommy Watt is such a fascinating character because there's there's sort of two factors here, right? There's a naivety there for sure. What you don't know can't hurt you. But then I also think that he's so smart that he does know. I guess what I'm saying is he knows that this is about hard work, consistency, and uh, not anointment. And so I think that Tommy Mallott has an understated, quiet confidence because he has so much belief in how hard he works. And because he works so hard, the organization and the team has so much confidence in him. We sort of saw it last year. Like when he replaced Matt McKay, all of the senior leaders on the Bobcats were like, let's roll. That's the guy we want. We saw Tommy doing linebacker drills, running down on kickoffs, lifting with the linebackers. Let's go. So, um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I think that a lot of guys, you would be uh, – it would be sort of dangerous to put them on such a, a pedestal, but I think Tommy Mallott can handle it, and I think he's he's already done a good job of, of handling it. He so has far. been handling it. Yeah, that's right. But you're right to bring it up because the best and the worst-case scenarios for Montana State do hinge a lot on whether he is a first-team all-conference quarterback or sure. whether some of the... Does he have to be first-team all-conference, though? I just think he needs to be a, a good quarterback. No, no, you're right. Well, I mean, That's it, what's ironic. Is if the best is, case for the Cats is that he's first-team all-conference if, quarterback, because he... If he's a first-team all-conference quarterback, they're going to make a run all... I mean, well, I guess that, it, it doesn't tangibly t- translate to the to the playoffs, but they're absolutely a big... If he's a first-team all-league quarterback, then Cat is going to be for the conference championship. Well, that's right. Well, that's the best-case scenario for the Cats, and I think that's certainly possible. I think so, too. I definitely think so. That That's what my parting line with Brent Vegan was. Was, he's like, Coach Vegan asked, hey, have you been getting asked about a, a lot about Tommy? And I said, I have. And I said, I tell people that I don't know how good he's going to be, but I do know he's going to be as good as he can be. There's not a lot of the other stuff that's going to derail him. Barring an injury, he's going to maximize his potential. What is that potential? That remains to be seen. 
but he's going to put in the work to get it done. And he's such a steady and smart kid uh, that I think that um, he's got a real chance. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. More on the best and worst case scenarios for Montana, Montana State. Plus, some of the best to ever do it in the Big Sky Conference. A Treasure State Stars Big Sky Hall of Fame edition. That's next. Keep it right here. It's Nuan is now ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultelaw.com. Everyone is now on ESPN Radio. I want to know just how many uh, Marlboro Reds you got to smoke to be able to sound like that guy. What a fun and funny... uh, conglomeration of all you fine Missoula hipsters on Saturday night at the Carlisle Amphitheater. It was fun. Great time. Rocking, dancing. A lot of chacos. A lot of mustaches. Had one guy that was wearing like his captain suit. Keep Missoula weird, man. For all you out there that are listening that are kind of new to town, if you don't understand by what I mean by keep Missoula weird, you got to learn because we got to do it. Missoula is one of the weirdest places that you can find, and I, that's what makes it great. So keep it weird. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television, and the ESPN Montana app. Almost every Tuesday, we give you the opportunity to win some free Taglieri Deli. Uh, no giveaway today, but we do appreciate Tag for all their support. And we'll be back with Tag Tuesday next week. Appreciate those guys for always being with us. The best sandwiches in Missoula. Great place to find old country wines and all sorts of Select and specialty Italian-style goods. Go check out Taglieri, the corner of Higgins and Beckwith. They're right by the roundabout, right next to Grizzly Grocery. Camp Saturday night was great. I was uh, tallying it up. I think I got eight or nine. I couldn't remember. I might be missing one on my list here. But I've been to uh, uh, more than a handful of shows now uh, between the Wilma and the Amphitheater. And they've been very fun. I got the concert season kicked off, actually in the spring, with one that I had no idea what was coming. Yola. Didn't know what to expect. Turned out phenomenal. Uh, A+. plus. I actually think it's the best show I've seen so far this concert season. Uh, So much soul. What an unbelievable talent. I also went to 311. I thought that was good. The vibe... In the crowd was weird. It was like almost like they, there wasn't enough 311 fans there. So even though they put on a great show, the the energy in the arena wasn't quite what it was at some of the other shows. I thought the same for Bastille. It was still a little bit cold at Bastille. And so again, good show, but not the the rocket party. But I saw Marcus King at the Wilma. Thought that was tremendous. Charlie Crockett at the Wilma was blown away by that. Had no real familiarity with him. Trombone Shorty. The music was fine. The party was outstanding. Uh, then I've been to the Goo Goo Dolls, which I thought were really rocked, and, and uh, true pros. I mean, definitely world-class performers. You can tell they've been together for 30-plus years. But I'd say the only show that was as good as Yola was camp. I really enjoyed myself there on Saturday night. So I keep those awesome shows rolling. Super strange to think that the Big Sky Conference – decided to create a Hall of Fame. That's not weird. It's just weird because they decided to do this years ago. So they had their initial Hall of Fame balloting. They 
involved a selection committee that included people that had been around the league for decades. They selected their initial class. They hyped it up. And then they had a whole plan to inject said people. The, uh, the summer of 2020 at the Big Sky kickoff. Well, pretty much everything got called off. And the Big Sky kickoff, uh, at least the Hall of Fame portion, did not happen. And so then it was kicked down the road until this year. So it's been two years since this was actually announced. But they were able to get a collection of inductees into the initial Hall of Fame class this last weekend. So here is the 14 people that were inducted into the Big Sky Hall of Fame this last weekend. This is our Treasure State Stars. It's presented by Parkside Credit Union. A lot of these people have ties to Montana only because they competed against the Montana schools. So this is kind of a big sky edition of our Treasure State Stars. But thanks to Parkside Credit Union for their continued support. Parkside Credit Union, a great place to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. This is an alphabetical order. So Jared Allen kicked it off. Uh, Later on tonight, I actually just put it on my list of to-dos. Andrew Houghton uh, has a great Big Sky Figures to Remember. This is a series that we've sporadically done, admittedly sporadically done, over the last year or so. And we're going to continue to roll those out. We're going to try to get a couple of months done uh, here this next upcoming athletic year. But he has one coming up here about Jared Allen, a former Idaho State uh, superstar who then went on to the NFL and, and became one of the great sack masters that the league has seen. So he was in the inaugural class, as was Shannon Kate. Now Shannon Schwain, widely considered the greatest female athlete in the history of the league, the best female basketball player uh, in the league, uh, and a first-team All-American, Kodak first-team All-American during her senior year with Montana. The rest of the Big Sky class included Angela Chalmers, who was an outstanding cross-country uh, and distance runner at Northern Arizona. She was uh, class of 87 at NAU. She was the Big Sky's first NCAA national champion Excuse me, in cross-country in 1986, and she was a six-time uh, All-American. So pretty cool uh, for Angela Chalmers, one of the pioneers in what has become one of the great distance-running programs that college sports has ever seen. Other inductees included Stacy Degrila from Idaho State, the outstanding pole vaulter who then went on to become a four-time world champion, a nine-time United States outdoor champion, an eight-time indoor champion. And how about this? What's better than a gold medal at the Olympics in 2000? Pretty cool for Stacy Dragila. Dave Dickinson, of course, part of the first class, legend of the fall, Super Dave, uh, one of the best the big guys ever had on the gridiron, led Montana to their first national championship in 1995. Jack Friel, also a part of the uh, inaugural Big Sky class. He was the first Big Sky Conference commissioner. The league was founded in 1963, and Jack Friel was the commissioner from 1963 until 1971. He also famously was the head men's basketball coach at Washington State for 30 years, led the Cougars to a runner-up finish at the national tournament in 1941, so that's pretty cool. Um but he's kind of the guy that helped spearhead the initial six-member conference. Idaho, Idaho State, Montana, Montana State, and Weber State. Um, there's, those are the five that are still in the uh, the conference. And um, Nevada, also a charter member uh, of the Big Sky. Milton Holt was also part of this uh, inaugural class. He's the architect of Holt Arena where Idaho State continues to play their football games and per, and uh, compete in indoor track and field. Uh, he was the athletic director and the head track and field coach at ISU for nearly 20 years and also a World War II veteran, so uh, one of the historic members of the class. Damian Lillard needs little introduction. Uh, Weber State standout who went on to become the number six overall pick in the NBA draft, an NBA Rookie of the Year, and a multiple-time All-NBA performer, Lopez Lamong. I think this guy is one of the most underrated athletes in Big Sky history. He's Northern Arizona, class of 2007. He's a two-time Olympian, 
and uh, one of the great distance runners ever, not only in the Big Sky, but just period, in the world. I mean, he he still holds the Big Sky's outdoor track and field records in the 800 meters and the 1500 meters. He's competed in multiple world championships and multiple Olympics. Uh, Lopez LeBlanc, one of the best guys I can remember covering and seeing. Ron Mann, also part of the class. He was the track and field and cross-country director at Northern Arizona from 1980 until 2004, so 25 years heading up NAU track. He's the one that built the foundation for what has become this unbelievable dynasty. Ellie Rudy, a pole vaulter from Montana State. She was the 2007 and 2008 NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championship. She competed at the Olympic Trials twice, and she, uh, I believe, still holds the Big Sky Indoor Pole Vault record at more than 14 feet. So Ellie Rudy, who's now Ellie Swenigan, uh, part of this class. And then the last two, a couple other of our favorites. Robin Selvig, 38 years as the head coach for the Montana women's basketball team. 865 wins. 20 NCAA tournament appearances, 31, 21 seasons, the 10th most victories in the history of college basketball. Pretty darn good uh, from the kid from Outlook, Montana, a a legend among legends in the annals of Big Sky Conference and Montana Grizz history. And then lastly, I would argue the most prestigious member of this class. Certainly the most prestigious football member of this class, Jan Stenerud, legendary kicker for the Montana State Bobcats, who then went on to win the Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs, remains to this day the only kicker in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, I was also remiss if I forgot John Freeze. I skipped over John Freeze when we were talking about the old commissioner. But John Freeze, the first Big Sky Conference player to win the Walter Payton Award, and they went on to play in the NFL um, for uh, more than a decade. He was inducted in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2006. I believe the first Big Sky football player to do that as well. Since then, uh, Dave Dickinson, Dennis Erickson both made their way in. But uh, John Freeze, one of the best ever at Idaho as well. So he was also part of the class. So a, a rich Montana and Montana State flavor. Three Grizzlies with Shannon Kate, Dave Dickinson, and Robin Selvig. A pair of Bobcats with Jan Stenerud and Ellie Rudy. And uh, actually some heavy Idaho State flavor as well. Jared Allen, Stacy Dragila, and Milton Holt. And uh, then a lot of NAU flavor too. So uh, got the Weber State connection with Dame Lillard in there. But th- this is going to be something that continues to grow. And it'll be something to, to follow that'll be fun. And uh, this year, the it was sort of under-publicized because it had been more than two years in the making. But we're going to make an effort to get to this thing. Uh, in the future and, and meet some of these inductees and, and get you some interviews and some reactions from this event. So there you go. Big Sky Hall of Fame uh, inductees. The highlight of our Treasure State Stars. It's presented by Parkside Credit Union. Parkside Credit Union, a fa- fantastic place to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. I was thinking about this as we were driving back from Spokane yesterday. Who is the most recognizable name in professional golf right now? Also, a continued conversation about the best and worst case scenarios for the Montana and Montana State football teams. Golf and Big Sky football next. Keep it right here. The one is now ESPN Radio. At Jewelry Design Center, they can make anything you desire. We have branded jewelry that you'll see across the world and the country. And you have full access to our full manufacturing shop. You can look in the case. You don't have to start out designing something. You can see anything that we have in the case that customize it for your personal experience. Jewelry Design Center, now open in Missoula at 2501 Brook Street, across from the Montana Club. Jewelry Design Center, your jeweler for life. I'm loving the acoustics. Little Wood Brothers for you here on uh, ESPN Radio. New on is now. Thanks for kicking it with us here on your Tuesday. Hope you have a great start to your week. Can't believe football season's here, but so excited for it. 
We are still in the throes of golf season, though, particularly from a personal standpoint. I know the majors are over. And they actually don't – I don't like it. I, they they took the PGA – or I guess it's not even the PGA. The way that the golf calendar works – I'm not even sure who made this adjustment initially, but forever, the Masters was always in April. U.S. Open's on Father's Day. British Open is the heart of July. And then the PGA Championship's the last major towards the end of summer, usually in August. But now the PGA Championship got moved up to May. And so then the British happens, and then it's kind of just over. And I always love watching the Masters because it's sort of a... a um, it's sort of a precursor to the, the start of summer. And then I always loved watching the U.S. Open... Because it's always on Father's Day. That's something I shared with with my late father. And then I I must tell you that the British Open is usually the one I miss because it's always in the height of July. And I, you know, I always fall on Sunday or whatever, but uh, don't spend a lot of time watching because I'm usually, you know, outside doing something, barbecuing, floating the river, hiking, whatever. And so then you always look forward to, oh, the last major of the year is coming up, PGA Championship. Well, that's not on the calendar anymore. So, um Interesting deal. I mean, I, I know that there's some benefits to all of it. But I was thinking about this the other day. Because coming out of the uh, recently completed Open Championship, in which Cameron Smith won uh, in thrilling fashion, the large conglomeration of major championship champion caliber golfers right now in the world is at an all-time high. There is more guys out there that have legitimate shots to win majors, I would argue, than there ever has been before. And it seems like the list keeps growing, but it also seems like the the quest to be the guy who is the dominant guy seems to be elusive. And we've seen young guys sort of start to chase it. And it's just like the, the NBA narrative. Who's the next Michael Jordan? Well, after... 10 years of no one being the next Michael Jordan, we finally all collectively decided there's not going to be another Michael Jordan and just learn to appreciate the other guys. We're still in that throw of who's the next Tiger Woods. I'm telling you right now, people, there is no next Tiger Woods. But we saw Rory McIlroy try to be that. Justin Johnson tried to be that. And those guys are great. And they are still major championship contenders now, even though they're sort of flashing the pan when they were dominating the majors is a little bit behind them. They still have... Plenty of opportunity to, to win more, but there's not going to be 15-time major champions out of this collective group of guys. But it got me thinking, because they, uh, there was a lot of talk about how perhaps Tiger Woods is done playing at the British Open. There's a lot of speculation that he wanted to get back to play one last time at St. Andrews. I'm not buying that Tiger Woods is going to hang it up at any point in time. That might be his last British at St. Andrews, because it might not come back around there for another 10 years. But I'm not buying that he's not going to try to play in majors. I do think it would be good for Tiger to shut it down until he can functionally and properly walk uh, an 18-hole round four days in a row. Because even the majors this year, the, he made the cut in. He was really limping uh, by Saturday and Sunday. He had to withdraw from the U.S. Open after he made the cut. Or no, it was PGA Championship. He made the cut and he had to withdraw. But that all it got to me thinking, though, again, there is no next Tiger Woods, but... Who is the most brand name or household name in golf right now? Who do you think, Andrews, you're not much, you're like not that much of a golf guy. So this is a good question for you. Who do you think it is? Tiger Woods. That's, I know. It's, it is. It, like, like thing, if you can still is, call him be, a golfer. For, I, well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he made the cut at a major after wrecking his car going 95 miles per hour. So I think he's still better than all of but 40 guys in the world at golf. He's just not, you know, consistently the, the doing most it. Double yeah. transcendent dominant player in the world like he was for a 12 year span. Besides Tiger Woods, who who is who's the guy? Uh it feels like a Rory McIlroy front of mind because um of the British Open where he was in contention right up until the end. But I think it you know, he's up there. I think you know, golf is really slow to move on from generation to generation. So I still think it's guys who were like the young phenoms in the last generation, like Rory, uh, like Jordan Spieth. 
guys like Dustin Johnson, guys like that, and um, you know, sort of the new generation of guys who I don't even know would be be in that, but guys like Colin Morikawa or John Rahm or Scotty Scheffler, like those guys haven't gotten there yet, even though they've clearly taken the torch, sort of in terms of actual ability. I I think that this is it's so it, it is sort of silly some of the things that go into it. I think that John Rahm's attitude and his face are going to keep him from ever being the super, the, the household name superstar. Unfortunately, it, but it's just the truth. Roy McIlroy is a good one because Roy McIlroy is not only a, a phenomenally talented golfer, he's also very marketable. Um, he's palatable because of his, his accent. The thing that is so interesting to me too, though, is you have to consider... That Jack Nicholas won his 18th and final major uh, when he was 47, I think 46 or 47 years old. And that was 20, 36 years ago when golf technology was nowhere what it is now. I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, Phil Mickelson just won a major when he was 51 years old. Dustin Johnson is only 36. That's 15 more years of Dustin Johnson. Again, I, these guys aren't going to win. Two, three, four, five, six, seven majors in a row, like in you know big, you know spans of two, three, four years. Here's here's they, the they issue though. Get some. Here's the issue. They're also not going to be contending at six, seven, eight majors in a row, right? Like nobody does that unless you are Tiger or Jack Nicklaus or Rory McIlroy. That's the funniest. That's the craziest part is Rory McIlroy. Since he won his last major eight years ago. He has played in, I believe, 24 majors and finished in the top 10 17 times. He's in contention. He just has this bad habit of going low on Thursday or Friday, going high on Saturday, being in 14th, and then shooting a 63 on Sunday to take 7th, even though he never was actually in the mix. Well, that's why I still think he's the guy, because he's around every weekend. I mean, that's yeah. what it is. When you're, tra- when you're talking about marketing people... That's what you have to have. You don't. You got to have eyes on you. You have to always be in the conversation. And golf is such a, a delicate mental game in a lot of ways that it's so difficult for that to happen. I mean, I remember like our your your pal Andrew Schmidt telling us before the Masters that yep. he was all in on Scotty Scheffler and yep. actually getting it right. And I'm like, well, why are we talking about Scotty Scheffler at the British Open being in contention right. at the at the PG at the US Open? You know, like it's just so up and down every week, and it's tough to market guys when you know they're they're in fortieth one week and, and winning the next week. I think the guy that has the best chance to reascend to become like that king of golf amongst the guys that are and again, who knows who's going to come out of nowhere or be the next big guy, the next big star? But I still think it is Spieth because. People forget. I mean, Jordan Spieth hasn't won a major since 2017. He has won three majors, but he never has really recovered from that meltdown he had at Augusta five years ago. He, he hasn't been able to break through since then. But when he was winning all those majors, he was 21 and 22 years old. He's still only 28. So he has, you know, I mean, he's a, almost a decade younger than Roy McIlroy and Dustin Johnson. So uh, it's an advantage for sure. More golf throughout the rest of the summer. It's fun to talk about some of these superstars and the movements within golf. But now, how about a conversation about business and sports? I have a lot more to talk about when it comes to this realignment, particularly when it comes to the art of branding as well as how important academia is or is not in the wide world of college football. Justin Angle, a business angle. Next, keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 